0: Hello everybody, and welcome to an innovative edition of the BRFCS podcast. We're gonna try something a little different this edition. We're all going to be in one car on the way to Rotherham. We thought it'd be a bit of a hoot to get the panel together in one place. We've never done it live before. So uh, it uh, it could be a triumph, it could be a disaster. Who knows, much like Rover's back four at the moment. Yes, thanks for joining us for this special edition of the BRFCS podcast. We've got a lot to cover in terms of games that have been played over Christmas and the New Year. And we've also got, at the end of the pod, three stories of overseas Rovers fans, how they came to support the club, and the passion that they share with us more locally-based fans from afar. Well worth a listen, so stay right to the end. But in the car with me, I've got Stuart Grimshaw, who is driving. Stuart, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Stuart, as you may have seen on the forum, has been posting as our grassroots coach expert uh, recently. So he's got a couple of interesting articles on there for people that do similarly. A stalwart of the panel, and uh, he's very worried about how I'm going to edit this. I can tell just by the expression on his face. Mike Dub, Happy New Year.
5: Happy New Year. I'd just like to start by saying, I don't like that at all.
0: Very good, don't we? I've already got that uh, captured, so there's no issue there. We've also got two smaller Grimshaws in the back here. I'm not sure how talkative they'll be, but we've got Matt. Hello. And we've got Hannah. Hello. So there we go. We'll be getting expert summaries from uh, from everyone on the panel as we travel on our way to Rotherham. So Stuart, to uh, put the hammer down, my friend. Let's go. So December has been a busy month, and it started off with FA Cup action. After that uh, interesting, shall we say, encounter at Ewood Park, where Rovers successfully threw away uh, a, a well a comfortable three-goal lead in quite spectacular fashion. We had the replay at Gresty Road. I think it's, it's probably a sponsored stadium now, but Gresty Road will do. So, Mike, what did you think of uh, winning the uh, winning the replay?
5: I mean, it was it was nice to win the replay. It's uh, obviously been backed up quite uh, nicely with a nice home draw, a very winnable-looking tie against championship opposition. Um, so yeah, absolutely delighted to win. I quite like the FA Cup. I don't feel like most people, it's a, a huge hindrance to our progress in the league. Um, but it would have been nice to do it the first time round. I mean, that nice sort of fairly comfortable looking one-nil win where we other than a slightly dodgy looking moment at the end, look, you know, look pretty straightforward. And we'd have all taken that the first time round and a nice rest on a, on a wintry day.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. I love the FA Cup, and I think a cup run is always good for morale. So uh, happy to see us through, and I too think that Saturday's game is winnable, although it depends how strong, uh, how strong a stronger side we can we can put out, I guess. So Saturday, sixteenth of December, saw the return to Ewood of an old favourite, and he didn't let us down. Uh, the home match against Charlton, tough game, tough opponents. Mike, what did you think? <laughs>
5: Sorry, I got a bit carried away there. Um, uh, yeah, I've been to quite a few comedy gigs in my time. Rod Gilbert was very good, I quite enjoyed Michael McIntyre. Nothing was as funny as that Leon Bestone goal to me. Uh, it was sort of paying back a very small percentage of his uh, ill-gotten wages from his time at Ewood Park. Moving on to the serious stuff, nice to see us uh, win. It was, a, 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 again, I, I know people aren't thinking we're quite as good at home as we seem to be away this season, Uh, But, again, grinding out these results against a better team from League One was a a bonus as far as I could see. Clean sheet, 2-0, good
0: stuff. No complaints. Yeah, I tend to endorse that, I think. Charlton put us under the cosh a bit in the second half. I thought they were one of the tougher opponents that we've seen this season. Um, I thought the second goal flattered us, but thankfully, well, I suppose like that, I don't know. Would it have been sweeter to have won one nil with just Leon Best goal being the only goal in the game, I don't right. know. I would have liked a second Leon Best own goal, personally. Yeah, we don't want to peak too soon. So that's the Charlton game dealt with. So our next game was uh, was down at Northampton, Sixfield Stadium, one of those uh, classic out-of-town retail parks. Not short of uh, food options though, as uh, as I think Matt will testify. We had a good lunch, didn't we? Yeah,
4: it was very nice, pizza. it's always good quality.
0: So there you go say, not only do you get football commentary now, we're going to start our own TripAdvisor account, I think, and talk about restaurants in the Northampton area. Um, as for the football, Stuart, what were your thoughts, particularly on the first
1: half? Overall, we'll play better than that and get beat. To say we didn't play particularly well, I'd take a draw.
0: Yeah, I think it was one of those games where Northampton seemed to have a game plan and it seemed to revolve around being physical and being direct. And we struggled to cope with that in the first half. Having equalised, of course, with just two minutes of the second half gone, I'm pretty sure we all felt confident that we'd go on and win it. When Antonson danced down the wing and got the penalty, that was tremendous. Of course, Conway also had his own little party piece. So there were two guilt-edged chances that we didn't take. But a point is a point, um, onwards and upwards, I guess, but it could so easily have been three, and we'll, we'll only know the significance of that at the end of the season, I guess. Boxing Day saw the return of a local derby, although perhaps not as local as many of us would like with our nearest and dearest, but Rochdale, I think, just about counts. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Boxing Day encounter? It was what it needed
5: to be, wasn't it? Let's face it, three points, clean sheet again, two goals, but not particularly exciting by any leap of the imagination. Uh, I, to be fair when we talked about the talking about the Rochdale game before the podcast I was struggling to remember it it was that sort of tamer tamer event hard to sort of go above and beyond that I guess I'd just like to continue talking about the Leon Bestone goal if I could
1: Stuart what were your thoughts about the Rochdale game I think uh, both teams were still uh, digesting the Christmas turkey it was a bit uh, be like one of those games where everybody has their fill at lunchtime and then you fall asleep playing Trivial Pursuits later on right? I think that sums it up quite nicely,
0: but it was, it was a handy three points to have, there's no doubt about that, and set up the uh, the rest of the Christmas programme quite nicely. So the home game with Scunthorpe, I think saw probably the best and the worst of Rovers. Um, pretty good attacking, but sloppy in defence. Mike, what did you reckon? I
5: think it was disappointing. Uh, you know, it, it, perhaps a, a signal of the good run that we've been on, to play a team that are directly below us and expect to win is... Perhaps a little bit immature, but you know. At the same time, it's uh, you know again. It just shows that, that since October, we haven't been beaten. Um, we played a lot better. I think it just sticks a little bit back of the throat that both our goals were well crafted, uh, you know, very technical affairs, whereas the goals that we gave away were easily avoidable. Particularly Elliot Bennett's brain fart, uh, a little bit uh, towards the end. So. Yeah, disappointing, but no great damage. done. it's still a, a respectable point uh, in the in the cold light today.
0: Yeah, I think Scunthorpe were underestimated by many of our fans. I think having won there early in the season, but we saw that game, and that was a tough game. And I think Ro- Rovers mugged them a little bit. Maybe they got a, a little bit of justice back in, in that return fixture. But yeah, two defensive errors weren't particularly good. But that uh, that closed down the the year nicely. So halfway through the season, what do we think Stuart?
1: really quite pleased with where we are to be honest. I said earlier on in the season when we weren't doing so well that I'd rather we got all the bad games out of the way at the beginning of the season and went on a bit of a run around Christmas to leave us in a good position to push on in the new year for promotion and I think that's exactly what we're doing. Mike you thought we were going to finish second of course. Yes and
5: I've, I recall, I recall was roundly mocked, uh, who is laughing now? probably not me if we finish sixth. I I mean, like most of us, I I feel confident. We're going to take a few knocks along the way. There's going to be some bumps in the road and a few defeats that we weren't seeing coming, but we're good. We've got good players coming back. Harry Chapman, Daryl Lenahan coming back who aren't fit yet. There's every reason to be looking at that top two and, and, you know, in a realistic fashion as well.
0: So Matt, come on then, give us the younger viewpoint here. Where are Rovers going to finish at the end of
5: the season? Well,
4: I think we'll stay where we are, maybe drop down to fourth and probably lose at Wembley in the playoff final because that's what we do.
0: That's fantastic to see that that level of pessimism in a Rovers fan at such a tender age, I think, is is truly heartwarming. 20 20 quid says he's right. So letting a little daylight in upon magic, we've now arrived in Rotherham, having travelled only from Sheffield. It's a relatively local game for us guys, but we're, we're parked up and we're about to go and try and find a pub. But before we do that then, let's commit some predictions uh, to, well, digital tape I suppose. What's the result going to be today then? Matt, you can start.
4: I think we'll
0: win 3-4. Ooh, wow.
5: I'll, dub- I'll double what I'm paying today if that's the score. But, Mike? Uh, I, I'm actually a bit less confident today. Um, I'm going to say one all. I think it might be a tough run because Rotherham on a good run. So uh, I think if we can get a point, it won't
0: be the worst
1: outcome. Stuart? I think it'll be a squeaky 2 1 win.
0: And there's some optimism in the car. I want to see the team sheet, I think. I'm not sure about how (laughs) good this norovirus has been in decimating the side, but uh, everyone looked, I thought they looked a bit tired uh, in the Scunthorpe game, mentally and physically. Uh, let's hope Rotherham are just as tired as we are. I'm gonna go for a one-all draw. So uh, there we are, we've committed it. We'll, we'll review this at full time. So thanks for your contributions so far, everyone, and hang on in there we'll come back in part two.
4: Hi, Tony Mowbray here at Rotherham away, wishing everyone a very happy new year.
0: Well there we go then, we're back in the car now, queuing up to get out of a car park in Rotherham on a miserable, wet, cold afternoon. Thank you Mr Mowbray. Some of us are perplexed as the tactical change that was made and uh, you probably know the score by now of course. It was Rotherham United 1, Blackburn Rovers 1. Stuart, what was your take on that game?
1: I was, I was right in the first half about the squeaky bum. Any longer than five minutes, all the time and they matters snuck another they were dangerous rather than from corners all the way through that game but we had the best of the first half and I think we had best of most of the second half like you just said the the problem came from the he made a mistake you know in his tactics and um, nobody's perfect you know we're not gonna win every single game from now to the end of the season and it's better to have a blip while you've got four months left and if that blip is drawing a few games, and fine, we've we've drawn quite a lot against the teams at the top who are in the mix with us. So we've not really given them any points. Rotherham aren't a bad team. So I'd much rather we drew if you know, if we're not gonna get a win. But it is disappointing. Mike, what was your
5: verdict? Similar to stews Stu's, really. I, I, of course, very very disappointing given the circumstances of the draw. I did predict one all before. I just like to stress. So uh, everyone seems to be rushing after the game to bash Elliot Ward, who seems to be a very popular scapegoat. But I wouldn't say that was your your target of choice today. It's unusual. Mowbray's made some very good substitutions recently, but sticking three at the back in response to their big lads from their back going up front to you know it changed the game. It changed the whole. Environment it gave them more space, gave them more opportunity to throw balls into the box, and they profited. And before that, I must admit, and as the game was playing out, I didn't feel particularly uncomfortable. I thought a one 0 up we were good value for that, and really, in, in all lines, that's how it should have stayed. bar the uh, disaster at the end.
1: I, mean, I think he made he did he made one good and one bad substitution because our goal came from the first substitution straight after, and whatever tactical change we made in that instance, Rotherham didn't pick up on it quick enough and we, we profited. It was obviously something that they talked about before the game when this happens. So, yeah, one good, one bad.
0: Yeah, I thought we started the second half with a lot more impetus. We seemed to be a lot brighter, a lot sharper and created a lot more chances. I'm perplexed by the, the third centre-back thing, as, we, as we've mentioned. They've got a big lad up front so let one of your existing two centre-backs pick him up and keep the pressure on in Rotherham's half. We handed the initiative to them. And the thing that surprises me is we've seen Rovers do that under, I think, each of our last probably six or seven managers, where we get a goal up and we just hand the initiative. So I'm going to turn to Matt now, because he predicted 4-3. Matt, what did you think of that game?
4: Well, obviously, my prediction wasn't very good, but life's life and you don't always get everything right. I, as well as the manager, as well in my instance, he tried to defend the lead, and I mean, it worked for a little bit, but that just happens it slip.
0: Going to put it better myself. So that's our junior correspondent there. We're going to phase him into full-time podcasts over the next, uh, probably, what ten years or something like that. <laughs> so we're representing all ages and creeds, I think, on the pod. So there we have it. We're still sat in the queue, getting out of the car park in Rotherham. It's still rainy, it's still dark, it's still cold, but we've got a point. So, Happy New Year to everyone who's listening to this pod, and let's hope we can bring you better news at the end of this month. Welcome to Part 3 of the podcast. In this part, we're going to be continuing our series of interviews with overseas Rovers fans. In this section you'll hear from fans as far afield as the Faroe Islands, America and even Australia. To get us started, here's Heed Jakobsen from the Faroe Islands.
6: We're in the Faroe Islands, a nation that has 47,000 people living in it. My hometown has roughly 1,200. We're back in 1992, the first season where the Premier League was shown on television in the Faroe Islands. I caught a glance of the television where I saw a match between Blackburn Rovers at home against Sheffield Wednesday and I saw, well, the one thing that caught my eye was the kit of Blackburn Rovers. I literally thought that is the most beautiful kit I have ever seen and I decided to start supporting them. That was, yeah, in 1992. I was 12 years old and I have supported them ever since. In 1993, the Premier League really had caught on to the people. People from schools around the Faroan Islands trying to... uh, To create fan clubs of the different teams from the Premier League. I recall that Man United and Liverpool caught roughly 2,000 fans from the schools. And one guy tried to make a Blackburn Rovers fan club. And by the end of the year, he had gathered 19. So I felt really alone in that time. Especially in my hometown where I was the only one. And I remember getting teased because all the other kids from my school and my class, they had... Inherited the teams of their parents, the teams of the fathers. You had yours, your Leeds, your Liverpools and your Man Uniteds. And I was literally the only one. The teasing never ended. Of course it wasn't good banter but still it was... It was still as a 12 year old you would find that teasing. Three years on and Blackburn Rovers eventually went on to win the Premier League. One of the happiest days of my life. And um, the teasing was no more. Uh, I remember... They tried to set up a Blackburn Rovers fan club again. That was the year when I was getting out of school. And in the year 1995, when the fan club was created, it gathered around 700 fans. Uh, Many of the people that joined the fan club then and said that they were Blackburn Rovers supporters are not supporting the Rovers anymore. Uh, That just shows that the culture of being a plastic fan really engulfs the world of football. You follow the teams that are winning instead of the teams that lie closest to your heart, which Blackburn Rovers have done for me ever since that day when I saw them play against Sheffield Wednesday. Being a Blackburn Rovers fan is really tough when you're not in England or living in England because teams that are being shown on television are usually the teams that people follow. You saw a boom when Chelsea became a rich man's club. You saw a boom of Chelsea fans, and now you see a boom of Man City fans. And um, it's it's really, really tough because of the television picking the fan base, at least when it comes to people living outside of England. Yeah, for some reason, Blackburn just, just got stuck. I In 1998, I got both of my arms tattooed with Blackburn Rovers, and when we got relegated... The teasing started again, friendly banter from the guys, but but it, it, it has always stuck there. But ever since that day in 92, where I saw Blackburn Rovers for the first time, that has been the only team for me. And uh, if you cut me open, I will, until I die, bleed blue and white. Tremendous story there from the Faroe Islands and Heed Jacobson. Thanks, Heed. That's
0: absolutely tremendous stuff. Now we're going to go down under to Dorian Ivaneza, who is a Rovers supporter based in Sydney, in Australia.
4: Hi guys, and thanks for having me on the program. Just a bit of a story on how I became a Rovers fan. hope you uh, enjoy the story. So my name is uh, Dorian, and uh, I'm a 37-year-old from Sydney, Australia. My story on how I became a Rovers fan is is actually a a really big fluke. Um, The year was 1993, and I was 13 years old. old. I was playing for... Victory Soccer Club in Wollongong, which is about 100 kilometres south of Sydney. Uh, It's a part of Australia where I grew up. And this one particular mid-season round, I'd forgotten my my shorts. And uh, my dad went really crook at me and said um, he'd run to the sports shop and get me a pair of of shorts, and I was to wait there and warm up. He'd come back about 20 minutes later, still pretty pissed off, um, with a pair of white shorts, presumably the first ones he saw, with a team I'd never really heard of before. Uh, the only club teams I'd ever known internationally was uh, Liverpool and Haiduk Split, uh, the teams my dad followed religiously. Um, it still does to this day. I remember looking at that Lancashire Rose and um, the red drawstrings. Obviously at the time I didn't know it was a, a Lancashire
2: Rose. And I was thinking at the time, you yeah, know, this is my team now. Whoever Blackburn are, this is my team. And I've never wavered away from them um, since, never will. I'm Rovers till I die. I have Sam Allardyce and Morton gams uh signature on a match day program from when the team ventured over to Oz years ago. A memory I'll carry with me forever. Um, I buy a Rovers kit every couple of years. I haven't for a little while, but by far my favourite is the um, AMD processors one. I don't know why it is, it just is. I have a paver in my name on the, uh, on the walk of fame. I think I do anyway. I've actually never seen it, but I do have the paperwork for it. Uh, Ewood Park is on my bucket list, and I fully intend to be there in the next couple of years, possibly for my 40th birthday, which is in January 2020. And hopefully, we'll have uh, have a bit of stability and success um, in the form of ownership and top-flight football by then. We can only hope. Um, I hope you enjoyed my story. Uh, I really enjoy your pod and love putting a fo- um, love putting a voice to the, the Twitter profiles. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Doz Tweets D O Z T. W-E-T-S if you'd like to follow uh, I'll be sure to follow back thanks very much for having me guys I, I really do appreciate it and keep up the good work with the pod speak soon
0: thanks so much for that Dorian I hope that every Rovers fan listening now scurries around the back of the Blackburn end and takes a photograph of the Walker fame and finds your uh, your paving stone and lets you have a copy on Twitter that was tremendous stuff now we're going to go for our final Rovers overseas fan today to Daniel who's based in Chicago.
3: Hi everybody uh, this is Daniel um, also known on Twitter as the one and only Deuce. Uh, Deuce was a nickname given to me by my older brother Johnny um, when we were little uh, as I was the second brother and Kind of stuck around with family and friends, but I live in the suburbs of Chicago, uh, closer to Aurora, Illinois, actually, the second largest city here, which was uh, made famous, obviously, by Wayne's World, the Mike Myers classic, uh, about 45 minutes west of Chicago here. But I started following Blackburn around 2002 after the World Cup. Uh, you guys recently had Jay on from New York City Rovers on the pod, and much like him, Brad Friedel brought me here, uh, as well as Damian Duff. My brother actually played a role, too. Uh, He supports Newcastle for whatever reason. I still don't know. Uh, At least we've got Alan Shearer in common, though. But, uh, yeah, we both grew up playing soccer, as they say here in the States. Uh, He saw my enthusiasm during that World Cup and told me I should follow a club in the Premier League because, you know, obviously over here in the States we've got the MLS and the Fire, but it really doesn't hold a candle to uh, uh, Rovers. Even though it's getting better and better, it's not even close. So, yeah, you know, he told me not to pick a... Don't pick a Liverpool, an Arsenal, or a Man U club. He said they're just a bunch of, uh, you know, bandwagon fans over here and glory seekers. But uh, he said I should pick a club that's got a good, rich history, uh, maybe more of a family club. And, uh, you know, Blackburn really ticked all the boxes for me. Uh, you know, you get a glimpse of those blue and white halves, too, and it really seals the deal. And, uh, yeah, I've been blue and white ever since, really. Uh, you know, it's become a massive part of my life. I get up uh, every Saturday morning to watch Rovers. Um you know, when they're on at 9 a.m. here, uh, sometimes you got to get up at, you know, 5 or 6 a.m. for the earlier games. And uh, the Tuesday midweek games, I've got to watch them on the sly at work on my phone or, you know, keep a browser tab hidden on my laptop. But yeah, you know, um, follow has been massive here for us. Uh, it's been a big blessing. Um, get to watch the games every week and, uh, you know, get to see the players form week in, week out, which is Something I really haven't been able to experience uh, when Rovers got relegated. The season afterwards, uh, NBC started showing all of the games over here, and uh, it couldn't have been worse timing for uh, for us over here when Rovers got relegated. It's never a good time, but uh, it couldn't have been worse for us here because uh, now they're showing Burnley games every week, which is just terrible. So, you know, it's uh, we heard the the keen out chance loud and clear over here, and uh, I wish I could have been there to help protest that movement because, uh, you know, he really screwed over, uh, obviously Rovers for so many ways, but for us here it was one of the uh, one of the things was us not being able to see Rovers every week, which was terrible. So yeah, uh, I have been able to meet some uh, some Blackburn fans over here too, though uh, some natives. Uh, we had three guys who were um, living in Chicago. We started the Second City Rovers for a little bit um, with the help from. Steven Bradley over at the New York City Rovers, his brother Matthew was here with a couple of other guys, and uh, we met up at uh, the Globe Pub in Chicago to watch a few Rovers games. They were to be able to show most of the streams. Uh, one time they weren't, but my brother came with, and uh, he was able to find a sketchy stream on his iPhone, and the five of us huddled around his little phone screen and watched the Rovers on that in the pub in Chicago, which was pretty grand. But, uh, yeah, I actually also... Um, I was bartending at a, uh, a short-lived... Um, English pub out in the suburbs here too, close to Aurora, called the Dog and Duck Inn. Uh, It was owned by a a guy from Manchester for a while. But uh, while I was working there, uh, I had a guy who came in and uh, he was from Blackburn and his jaw about hit the floor when he saw me behind the bar wearing a rovers kit. Uh, Turned out that he did business with a company close close to the pub and uh, so he was in town quite often he'd become a big Blackhawks fan. So uh, we had Blackhawks and Blackburn in in common and we got to become uh, pretty good pals for a while there. He actually brought me a a signed rovers kit, which I have uh, framed and hung up in my office here next to me. And, you know, a big shout out to Mick. I appreciate uh, all the time I was able to spend with him on those days. And he actually uh, uh, has an offer open that I can uh, crash at his pad if I ever make it over to Blackburn. He said the Ewood lights will light up his bathroom when they're on. So um, i dream of being able to take him up on that offer one of these days and get over there and see a game at Ewood and um, you know get to know the town and some of the people a lot better too. Uh, it's kind of funny um, you know supporting a club where you've never even been to the town. but uh, yeah, one of these days um, I hope to meet you guys and you know get to catch some some Rovers games over there so uh, but yeah, uh, that's my story you know um, I do uh, support the Rovers Trust as well and I think that's a great opportunity for us to have that safety net for the club. And uh, to kind of feel like I'm supporting Rovers over here, too. I do buy a lot of shirts and, uh, you know, pay for the iFollow. But um, I try to, you know, support the club in any way I can from here and try and spread the gospel across the states. So, um, yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, It's been a pleasure getting to know everybody in in the Rovers community over the years. And I hope to, you know, just um, meet more people and and get to know everybody a lot better in the coming years as well. So it's been a, a, a hell of a 15 years so far, but it looks like it's on the up at this point, which is great. But, uh, yeah, from Illinois and Chicago, Aurora area, uh, come on, you blues, and, and Yankees out.
0: Thanks, Daniel. That's absolutely terrific. It's great to hear a story of someone who lives so far away embracing the blue and white halves every bit as passionately as those of us who live more locally. If you're listening to this pod and you are also an overseas Rovers fan and you'd like to tell your story, then please get in touch via the Twitter or on the forums on the brfcs.com website, and we'll try and accommodate you in a future episode. Until we see you next time, thanks very much for listening, and wishing you all the best once again for a tremendous 2018.
3: Podcast Network. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast.
1: I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice.
3: As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund.
1: What did she do with that refund? Find out next week.
3: Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 16-123. 116 That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: This podcast is proud to be part of the talk Sport Fan
0: Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.